Welcome back to WBAI. This is Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and after a much-needed respite, our amazing, wonderful, stellar co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston, is back. She's back this week. Celeste, we have missed you. And I have missed you, Jeff. Glad to be back here with you and everybody in the WBAI family. So, of course, I want to ask you, how have you been and what is on your mind today? You know, it's been a, it's been a busy summer. Let's put it that way. It's been interesting and busy, but, uh, you know, glad to be back here and lots of stuff to catch up on. Just trying to keep up with the news is a full time job. Obviously, we just saw another, uh, verdict, a guilty plea with Derek Chauvin, uh, nearly, uh, let's see, he just got 20 more years, about 20 more years in prison, although it will be served concurrently. This is for violating the civil rights of the late George Floyd. Uh, that's been a big issue. We've seen a lot going on with coronavirus. We've certainly been uh, waiting for the latest developments in the January 6th Inquisition. Uh, lots and lots going on, Jeff. Hard to keep up. Yeah. And while you're off, we continue to focus a lot on the upcoming elections. And we're going to be able to get to our first guest or our guest today in just a few moments. And Celeste will do the intro. But in leading into that, one of the races that we've been trying to follow, uh, not just on this show, but on City Watch on uh, Sundays at 10 a.m., co-hosted by David Brand, is bringing on a number of the candidates uh, before the August 23rd primary. I know for some of you, you're like, wait, didn't we just vote a few weeks ago? This is the next primary where you'll be able to vote for members of the U.S. House of Representatives and the state Senate. Remember, it's a primary. So if you're a Democrat, you can only vote for Democrats that are on your ballot uh, if they have a, a contest. Uh, and the Republicans, you can vote if you're a registered Republican for Republicans who are on your line. Based on the new congressional district lines, there are a few races we have been following. The Battle of the Titans in Manhattan, where sitting Congress members Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney are now uh, competing against each other. There's also the newly drawn District 10 race, where there are about 15, yes, 15 people running, including some very familiar names like former Mayor Bill de Blasio, who was on uh, WBAI this past Sunday, former city controller Liz Holtzman, city council member Carlina Rivera, Congressman Mondaire Jones, New York State Assembly member Yulene New also, who is going to join us in just a few moments, Celeste. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting. So don't forget, check out, be prepared, have a plan. The most important thing about voting, other than making your decision, of course, is knowing how you're going to do it, where you're going to do it. So make sure, check it out. There's uh, lots and lots of options for you. You can check out uh, NYC Votes. You can check out uh, New York City Campaign Finance Board. You can check out League of Women Voters. Lots and lots of places to find out about where to cast your vote. So I think uh, with without further ado, we are going to get to our first guest, as Jeff just mentioned, uh, we are going to be speaking, speaking today to New York State Assembly member Yulene New. Uh, she is one of the candidates for District 10, uh, the Congressional District 10. She has joined us before on Driving Forces. Glad to have her back. But here is a brief thumbnail of her accomplishments in case you missed any of her uh, past appearances here on the program. Uh, in 2016, she was first elected to serve the 65th Assembly District. That's Lower Manhattan. Includes the Lower East Side, Chinatown, South Street Seaport Area, Financial District, and Battery Park City. In the Assembly, she has worked on improving financial protections for consumers, particularly unbanked communities. We'd be interested to talk about that. Uh, to secure funding for NYCHA repairs and to talk about better housing regulations. She also helped form New York State's first ever Asian Pacific American Legislative Task Force, which will focus on advancing issues impacting New York's AAPI community. She first started working on state policy issues in college, eventually accepting a position with the Washington State House Health Committee Chair. And then she went to work as an advocate Advocate and organizer on anti-poverty issues, also served as chief of staff for New York State Assembly member Ron Kim. She's drafted legislation to expand language access for immigrant communities and has fought for more affordable housing and expanded services for seniors. So with that, Assembly member New, welcome back to Driving Forces. 
Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Celeste. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Glad to have you as uh, the first guest on my uh, my quote unquote triumphant return to the <laughs> airwaves here. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. I love to hear your voice on radio. Uh, hi, Jeff. <laughs> hi. A lot about you or your um or your your campaign for congress what do you want people to know about you, you no know, just take maybe like 60 seconds uh, what do people need to know about you uh as a candidate for congress now i mean so i think that there's a lot that i've done and i think that i would i would love i mean i appreciate the introduction i think that you know folks should know that i've already represented part of this district in the state assembly for the past 6 years 100% of my current assembly district is inside of this new york 10 uh, district, and I want to continue to represent my neighbors, my community. You know, something that's been important to me has been obviously to provide accessible, transparent, powerful representation in our government. Right now, um, you know, we all know that our country is very much in a crisis. We are seeing people um, getting killed every single day. I mean, just on July 4th, we had two mass shootings. You know, people are losing their rights. People are suffering right now. And what we really, really need, and we've seen it and we've said it, but we need political courage. When I was a young person, I thought that government was something that just happened to us and that these laws just happened to us and that there was some, like, big secret that people needed to know in order to access government. But the more I learned about government and started working in government, um, I realized that this was a myth. You know, this started when I was a young intern, right? And I saw that there was no big secret, but that there are powerful people that don't want us to realize that we actually have the power to change things. And I think that, you know, we need to make sure that we are accessing government in a big way. You know, I'm running the show that people, you know, show people that when we mobilize and come together, we can make government work for us. Because if it doesn't work for all of us, we all lose. And and speaking of changing things, during your time in the Assembly, what would you say is one of the most impactful uh, measures you've worked on, one of the changes that you've helped to usher, usher through that is changing the lives of New Yorkers? I mean, one of the biggest things, uh, I mean, this is one of the frustrations that I have, right, is that, you know, we have to make sure that our budgets are, are, are reflective of our values because budgets are values documents. And I think that one of the biggest things I did was to make sure that we are focusing on the right things in our budgets. And if not, then we vote against them and that we fight against, you know, that kind of like austerity budgeting during a time when, um, you know, we were fighting during a pandemic, you know, for health care, for social services, for our public schools. Right. And I think that I fight righteous fights and I win. You know, I've passed bills combating hate crimes, including those against the Muslim community. I've, um, you know, fought for bills that were banning fossil fuel emitting crypto mining operations you know i fought for securing funding for education public housing for our communities you know suffering from lack of access to you know our good quality schools and i think that you know right now um we all know that we finally were able to get you know billion dollars um to our public housing for uh from our state but at the same time you know what we really need is to also make sure that congress is fully funding our public housing Right. I think that people have seen that we have housing here that is so dilapidated um, that it's making people sick. You know, and I continue to you know challenge power and privilege, even when it's uncomfortable. I've taken on corporate interests who have, you know, a stranglehold on our political process. I've taken on Republicans. I've even taken on my own governor when I knew that he wasn't doing what was right. You know, I've stood my ground against, you know, the powers that be in order to stand with my constituents, and I will never hesitate to make that stand. Um, I have continued to fight for language access. I have fought for making sure that we have, you know, the first Asian Pacific American um, community organizations uh, dollars that were coming in um, to fight uh, hate. You know, I think that these are all things that we need to do and we need to continue to win um, everywhere. So thank you so much for asking that. If you're just joining us, this is Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. And our guest today is Assemblymember Yulene New, who's a candidate for the 10th Congressional District in New York City. And uh, Assemblymember, I'd like to just ask, go back to one of the many things you were talking about, but I think this is a, a very uh, compelling issue and maybe for some of our listeners as well, the issue of of public housing, the issue of NYCHA. Yeah. And, you know, just going back myself as uh, having been a reporter at the Daily News for over 15 years, I had a number of colleagues, Greg B. Smith comes to mind in particular, who wrote about just 
endless and really appalling, appalling failures of uh, basic, yeah. uh, I don't know, basic, basic responsibility, basic decency mm-hmm. almost at NYCHA, broken elevators, uh, you know, just unhealthy no heat, conditions, no dangerous yep. conditions. Mm-hmm. And so given that this is such a long standing problem, what would you do differently? And, and, and I understand I don't want to minimize the idea of, of full funding of NYCHA, but if money is not the only solution to what we are seeing in terms of problems in the housing authority, what specifically do you see as being some of the the answers to these problems? Well, I think that we have to really revamp what NYCHA looks like, right? And I think that we also have to make sure that we're protecting our tenants um, by making sure that we're protecting Section 9. Uh, you know, right now there's this push to, um, you know, basically end public housing as we know it by transferring Section 9 um, you know, into Section 8, and I think that that is really dangerous, you know, for um, a lot of our constituents, and I think that, you know, we have to make sure that we are fully funding NYCHA. I don't, and I, and I, I know that you just said that we don't, we can't, you know, minimize that, but let's talk about the fact that on our federal government level, um, HUD has divested from um, and, and disinvested from public housing for decades now. And so we need to make sure that we are actually making it a priority. We don't need less public housing. We need more public housing. Um, you know, there are uh, so many different ways that our public housing has been, you know, neglected. And I think that it's really important that we start with the funding as well as making sure that we have um, better management in a very, very big way. You know, I think that the agency itself needs to have a complete revamp. And I think that people um, have been asking for that, right? And I think that we have to prioritize what our constituents need. And I think that actually having constituent-run management is actually a really great idea. So I want to get to the elections and why we wanted to definitely have you on to talk about the race in, in District 10. A few weeks ago, New Yorkers cast their votes in the June primary for a number of mm-hmm. seats. Uh, and while there were some successes among progressive candidates, a number of first-time progressive candidates uh, uh, did not, uh, who were endorsed by the DSA, for instance, did not muster enough support. We also look at what is taking place on the other coast in San Francisco with the recall of the district attorney. I'm just curious what these signal to you. Do you feel that there is a tide that is turning, or is this just like a momentary setback for the progressive movement? I think that there is a... Um a very, I think, countrywide um, disenchantment with how our government works right now. I think that people are upset that they were losing their bodily autonomy, losing their privacy rights, that we're losing, um, you know, our Miranda rights. I mean, we were carving away at so many of our rights and, you know, people are really disenchanted with how our government works. And I think that that showed in how turnout was for the June election. It wasn't, um, you know, I think it wasn't necessarily about, you know, losing steam um, for progressive values or for trying to get change the way that we want to see it. I think that, you know, we have seen that, you know, Sarah Hanna won. There's a lot of different um, campaigns that did win. I think that it's, um, it's really important to talk about, you know, turning out the vote. And I think that we do need to have, um, you know, excitement. And we have to have, you know, leaders that excite. And we have to make sure that people are understanding, you know, um, that it is like life or death right now to make sure that we are, you know, fighting for what we prioritize, right? And I'm thrilled about where our campaign is. We have far and away the, the strongest and deepest field operation. I think that, you know, it's really important that in a short sprint race like this, so much comes down to, you know, good field, having community trust and relationships. You know, we all know that money can't buy that trust. It can't buy enthusiasm from our kids, from our neighbors willing to go out, volunteer eight hours every single day in the hot heat or in the rain. And it doesn't buy my knowledge of these issues, right? These voters know me because I've represented them for six years now. And that's a huge advantage, not just, you know, politically, but in, you know, our, our, our relationships, right? And they know that we are um, going to have, you know, targeted effective policies that come from them. And I think that, you know, that drives out and turns out votes. I think that we are going to see um, that, you know, it's going to be about turnout and it's going to be, you know, about how we are um, connecting. And I think that we have to make people connect to government again. Remember that it's something that is not a big secret, that's a myth, and we have to make sure that people are advocating for themselves. And that's how we're going to change things. 
We're speaking to New York State Assembly member Yulene New, who is also a candidate for Congress in New York District 10. And Assembly members speaking about leadership and about progressivism, kind of piggybacking off of what Jeff was asking. Uh, we saw in our last mayor's race that uh, the most uh, sort of uh, progressive candidate did not win. We have somebody who is certainly a Democrat, but rather, you know, on the spectrum of, of the candidates, we had rather more moderate. Just curious to hear what you think of uh, Mayor Adams, the job he's doing, and uh, how you think you would work alongside him should you uh, should you win your contest? I mean, I think that no matter who um, is in what seat, I think that I have always, you know, worked um, alongside and also stood up, you know, when things were not great. And I think that I'm, I'm somebody who's very transparent, very um, accessible, and I think that I always try to you know, make sure that we um, can accomplish the things that we all want for our districts, right? And I think that, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, what happened in that city race, it doesn't, I think that that was also, you know, a lot of things happened. We all know what happened in that city race, and it was a very, very, um, you know, uh, explosive race. Um, and, and I think that it wasn't because, it wasn't because people didn't want progressive values. You know, I think it's because we all want to see, um, different things uh, change, and uh, I think that you know there were a lot of different influences that you know changed that race, and so it's, I think that it's not reflective yet of our city, and I think that we are seeing that now with how people are responding to um, responding to his leadership. And as far as your opinion of how he's doing as mayor, or something that you're not satisfied with, what would you say? Um, I think that there's a lot of things that I very concerned about, right? I mean, I think that I was very concerned about the slashing of our public education funds. I think that I'm very concerned about, you know, the hit to a lot of our social services um, when we need them more than ever. Uh, we know that, you know, we have a lot of different needs that are not being met right now on the city level. We have seen um, that, you know, there, there's a lot of concerns that people have, you know, when, it, when in regards to safety, in regards to, in you know, actual uh, work that's like getting done agency-wise, and I think that there's there's a lot of things that I think you know people are seeing that they need here on the city level, and um, I think that people have been critical, uh, and you know we we would probably you know land in that boat, but I think that it's also you know um, important for us to you know have those conversations so that he can do better. But you know when when every when every single one of us does better, like it's better for the city and for the state. So I want to make sure that our listeners also know where you stand on a few issues, starting with health care. I'm curious what yeah. you think government's role or their obligation should be to help people secure insurance. I mean, obviously, um, the pandemic has shown that our for-profit system simply does not work. We need a single-payer system, and I fought long and hard for that here in New York as well. And this is a consensus position in America, except for the special interest holding up the progress, right? I think that we have also seen you know, that we desperately, desperately need to have preventative care rather than, like, making it so that there's such high cost at the back end when, you know, there's emergency care or living, et cetera. And I think that what we need to do is make sure that we are funding things like our NORCs, funding things like, you know, that are programs that are helping us to stay healthy and whole, right? Preventative programs, um, each dollar that goes into them is, like, literally um, hundreds of dollars back um, in preventing um, you know, the need for emergency care later. So I think it's really important for us to uh, have funding on the federal level to make, basically make it so that we have single-payer universal health care. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, with Roe v. Wade and Choice, um, we have to make sure that, you know, we are doing the right thing, right? Like making it so that right now we have we have a huge health care crisis, right, because um, last month, right-wing Supreme Court justices sent a loud and clear message to the entire country that our bodily autonomy is no longer protected under the rule of law. And make no mistake, this decision will kill people, especially poor people, LGBTQ people, disabled people, people of color, and our Supreme Court does not care. Abortion advocates and providers across our country have been preparing for this very dark moment, but they really need our help. They need Congress's help. Um, Republicans have spent the last 50 years chipping away at our rights over our bodies and passing as many restrictions as possible as fast as possible. Um, last week, you know, I just got back from Albany after passing the Equality Amendment, and, and, and I took on, you know, 
I mean, let's just say that, you know, our, our body, like, we took on the work of protecting abortion rights in New York, and we know that the cost of that is going to also be fiscal. And we're an example of what can get done when people, um, you know, put in the work and want, and, and, and I definitely want to bring that fight to Congress. You know, the Supreme Court must be significantly reformed. It's an underrepresented body that has really become politicized and destroyed its credibility by pandering to the radical right. Let me, and let me, let me jump in because given what you said, I'm curious, uh, and I know that we've talked about this on uh, City Watch earlier this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had basically called for the Supreme Court justices to be impeached. Do you agree with that? Do you feel that, is that something you would support? I think that there were a couple of different Supreme Court justices that definitely um, didn't belong on the bench in the first place. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there are certain things that can make it so that, you know, certain justices, uh, certain elected, certain presidents should be impeached. And, you know, I think that, you know, we need to make sure that we are using the impeachment process in a way that, um, you know, can, you know, make it so that we are having a more just body. I mean, if you are not doing your job, if you have abused your job, and if you have, you know, um, abused the seat, then that makes it so that you deserve to be impeached. And since you just made reference to being in Albany and working on legislation there, I want to ask you, I asked you about uh, Mayor Adams earlier, I want to ask you about Governor Hochul, uh, the job that you think she's doing, and uh, how you would work with her if you were uh, elected to Congress. Yeah, obviously, you know, I have been working with her, um, and I think that she's, um, you know, she definitely is, uh, you know, somebody who um, has been helpful when it comes to um, working on particularly, um, you know, rights for, um, you know, women, for um, sexual assault, uh, you know, prevention. We just signed um, into law um, the Adult Survivors Act, thanks to her. Um, and I think that, you know, there are certain things that she's just so um, great on. I think that, you know, there were a lot of things that we also disagreed on. Um, and I think that, you know, we... Um, you know, clash when it came to coverage for all, when it came to $1.2 billion for billionaires um, for the Buffalo Bill Stadium. I think that, you know, it's, you know, there are things that I think I prioritize a little bit differently than her, but I think that, you know, it's been a good working relationship so far. Um, and I think that, you know, there are things that obviously, um, you know, I, I have, you know, critical <laughs> thoughts about, but I also think um, an ability to uh, be able to speak up to each other. And like, she's somebody who has really uh, opened the doors for communication. And that's something that's really great. So I know we're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes, but I do want to note the fact that you recently won the endorsement of the Working Families Party. Uh, you know, it's interesting because they're also, they've announced that they're now trying to put Pokal and the Lieutenant Governor, uh, Anthony Delgado, on the uh on the ballot line for governor, uh, so they don't play a spoiler in that race. Uh, talk a little about what it meant to you to have the Working Families Party endorsement. I mean, it meant everything, right? I mean, I ran on the Working Families Party line um, in my very first race, and I, um, I'm so proud to be endorsed by the Working Families Party and proud of my long history with them. You know, ever since I ran on the Working Families Party line back in 2016, I have been, um, you know, I think, uh, a big face of the party, but also I think that, um, you know, the party has been also a really great moral compass for our state. Um, I've been living these progressive values through my life, my work, and what I champion, but it's really about identity, it's about purpose, and I think that, you know, with everything I do, with every policy I approach, um, I mean, I think that this is something that we all agree on, that we have to be done through a racial justice lens, a disability lens, a socioeconomic justice lens, and an environmental justice lens. I think that too often we, we bucket these <laughs> issues and and, and silo these issues and try to tackle them in different buckets. But I think that the truth is that everything is interconnected, just like we're all interconnected. And every issue um, is a disability issue. Every issue should be looked at with the question of, does this close the racial wealth gap? Does this help us to be a more equitable and sustainable society? And we have to acknowledge and act on these issues together. You know, we have to always try to make sure that we're pushing that needle further to make sure that there's more access and, and, and a more just government for everyone. And I think that that's what it means to be a true progressive. And I think that our, our party embodies that. And, and, it, and to me, um, that's what it means to be Working Families Party. And that's why I'm so proud. You know, I, I can't speak enough about it. <laughs> And just in the, just in the one uh, the one moment we have here uh, left in the program today, and, and we do appreciate it, uh, Assemblymember New is uh, you know 
members of Congress can have a certain effect, if not a, a direct impact necessarily, on uh, the city's approach to crime, but crime, public safety, safety obviously uh, continue to be major, major issues, uh, and not just uh, in the city, but throughout the state. Just wondering if you had any thoughts on what you would or could do um, as a member of Congress to address uh, people's concerns about living safely in the district, in the city. Yeah, and I think that, you know, um, one of the, I mean, when we're talking about safety, we're talking about real community safety, right? And I think that, you know, some of those things, you know, are the things that we're working on, trying to make sure that we have housing. Like, if you are homeless, you're much more in danger of losing your life. And, like, on top of that, you know, um, you know, our health care, like, like that, that is such a huge issue of safety. You know, given Illinois on Monday, also shooting across the city, I mean, I'm heartbroken. I, I can't even. I'm thinking about, you know, the families that we lost in Buffalo. I'm thinking about the people that we. That we see the stories of now, you know, the little boy who lost both his parents, the, the, the young woman who lost her mom. I mean, the bipartisan gun deal did not go far enough. It was a joke. It barely mentioned guns at all. And what we did in Albany to pass even stronger gun safety laws is light years ahead of where Congress is. So I, I obviously look forward to bringing that energy to Congress and, and, that, and that work to Congress, but we should also be listening to what our communities want. And, um, you know, and I think that in what even police unions are saying that they want, right, a ban on civilians buying military body armor, an assault weapons ban, real reforms to get guns off the street. And this takes courage, and we're lacking that in Washington. I think that, you know, one of the things that we have to... Um, we have to really talk about is, you know, making sure that we are actually investing in our communities. I think that people are not thinking about how those investments in our communities will make us safer. And it's it, and, and just like there's no um, there's no magic wand, no silver bullet to end hate. Um, we have to talk about the fact of like, you know, we ha- we have so many layers when it comes to um, our safety, to ending hate, to um, stopping, you know, people from harming one another. Um, that you know, there, it's 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 every single issue, right? That we're working on, and and it's dismantling that racism, dismantling sexism, dismantling, you know, this kind of like hatred that's ingrained in our in our government and in our laws. It's it's you know every single piece, right? So it's not just like one thing or another thing. It's just it's, it's not just like throwing money at a problem or you know some kind of like you know, asking for a magic solution, you know, but I think that, um, you know, we have to have education as well. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. We've been speaking today with New York State Assembly Member Yuli New, candidate for Congress in District 10 and Assembly Member. Thanks for joining us today. If people want to find out more about you and your campaign, where can they go? Oh, they can go to newfornewyork.com. That's N-I-O-U for newyork.com. And I so appreciate your taking the time with me today. Assemblymember, thanks for joining us here today on WBAI. Thank you. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Celeste. Thank you so much. What's so interesting, Celeste, is is just even envisioning this primary being held in the last two weeks of August and what type of turnout we're going to see. Because even before we went on summer break, when we had the primary just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it was not that great turnout. I mean, I did early voting I and no one was there. And I saw the numbers and how low they were. And I'm really curious what factors are going to come into play if we have fewer people in town. I know we have early voting now, so that might help boost the numbers a little. But, that you know, it's going to be really interesting in this race to see. It, it could be really about the candidates and how they turn out their constituencies, the people, their their biggest fans. Especially, especially Jeff, in such a huge field, uh, you know, so many people running. What did you say? 15, 15, 15 candidates. And there are candidates with some name ID in this contest. There, it's, this is not just a bunch of like, it's not like, you know, Jeff versus Celeste <laughs> running for, for District 10. <laughs> you would there. win. You would clearly. 
you oh, would clearly win in that race. Uh, the the only poll that matters is the poll on election day, Jeff. <laughs> but I think, this anyway. is, uh, I, I think that's a good question, though. Who's going to show up? I hope if you're listening, show up, not telling you who to vote for, just vote. So we're going to take a break and be back in a few minutes and take your phone call. So just write down this number. Don't call yet. In about five minutes, we'll start taking the calls. And we'll also bring you up to date on something Reggie was also talking about at the top of the show about our Tower Fund campaign. So write down this number that we're going to need you to call. Or if you would like to tell us what's on your mind about this race, about Roe versus Wade, about inflation, about crime in the city, we want to know what's on your mind. 212 209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. And as I was preparing for this exciting show today, having Celeste back here with me, there was one song that kept coming to mind. And I'm sure many of you longtime listeners know and love this song. So Reggie, play that tune. Of course, of course. Thank you, Jeff, for that wonderful tribute to our ongoing radio relationship. Peaches and her reunited here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. And we're going to take your calls. But first, should we should we draw out the suspense and talk about the Tower Fund for just a minute? Or, or can you not wait, Jeff? We should talk about the Tower Fund, but let's just remind our listeners of the number to call, which is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. You know, uh, in preparing for this show and all the shows, Celeste and I put a lot of work into trying to find out positions of the candidates and also to make sure that we invite a diverse range of candidates. So if you don't hear certain voices on this show, know or suspect that we've reached out to those offices, like say Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, they don't get back. We've reached out to Jerry Nadler's office. They tell us they'll get back and then they never get back. So if there are certain people you want to hear on this show, you can suggest it to Celeste and I, and we will reach out to them, but understand why, you know, why you don't hear some of their voices on there. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because on this show and on any of the shows that Celeste and I host, we want to make sure that 
you, our listeners, become informed, that you engage with us. And we're going to get to our calls in just a few moments. But we did want to talk about the Tower Fund because this is free speech radio. This is community radio. If you notice, we play songs in between. We don't play advertisements for Google or or Coca-Cola or Microsoft or any big company. We rely on your contributions. It is you that has kept WBA alive for more than 60 years, and we're hoping you'll keep it alive for the next 60. But for now, we have an immediate need, Celeste. Absolutely. And the way you can help us out is just go to our website. I'm not going to give the phone number on this program because we are also asking you to call in. I don't want to confuse the two numbers, but it's super easy. And in fact, this is how I would recommend you do it. Just go to our website, give to, that's the number two, WB. Dot org. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of a, a tech excitement. I am uh, in the market for a new computer soon, I think, but that's give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. You can give, uh, as, please give as generously as you can. You can give in any amount you want. Uh, even better, you can become a WBA, you can become a BAI buddy and uh, become a recurring donor. You can sign up uh, and pledge your support every month to WBAI. We'd really appreciate it. But as Jeff was mentioning, and as our engineer, Reggie Johnson, mentioned at the top of the program, the Tower Fund is a very big deal for us. Unfortunately, as we said, you know, this program does not rely on, the station does not rely on corporate contributions. We do not rely on endless commercials. We rely on you. And right now we are a little behind on the rent. We can really use your support. We need to pay rent on our studio and we need to pay rent on our transmitter, the tower that gets our signal out to you. Please check out our website. Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. And we're going to get to our first caller. Let's just patch him or her through. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air with Celeste and Jeff. What's your name and where are you from? Oh, hi. Thank you. It's Jan from East Village. Um, so I, I, I found Assemblyman uh, New very interesting, and I was particularly glad that she said she has been an avid supporter of single-payer health care. That's very important. To me, that's a deal-breaker. If you're not a supporter of single-payer, I couldn't possibly vote for you. Um, but I was, I was disturbed. I think what she said, it went by very quickly. She was saying a lot of things. You asked her how she felt about the governor and the governor's policies. I think she said she disagreed with the governor on the issue she said, Governor does not support uh, total coverage or absolute coverage. And she didn't say coverage of what. I assume she meant health care. Do you know for a fact, I've been wondering about this, that hasn't been talked about much. Does Kathy Hochul support the New York health bill, which would provide a single-payer system for New York? I don't Oh, Go ahead, Celeste. Go ahead. Well, I think we're going to say the same thing, which is that's, that's something that we could check out. I should be faster on my feet on this, but uh, I don't want to answer the question and get it wrong. So I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, characterize her position on that, but that's, that would be, would that be a deal breaker? Is that a deal breaker for you? You say? Absolutely. I think it is the single most important thing we need to do. Like immediately it would save money. According to Yale medical school, a study which was done right before the pandemic. And of course, everything's changed now. But what they said, the 2020, 2019, um, that a single-payer system instituted immediately would save 60,000 lives, and that's a conservative estimate of the number of people who die in America every year because they don't have health insurance or health insurance they can afford to use, um, 60,000 lives and $450 billion a year is what we would save. So it's a no-brainer. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your call. And uh, certainly the issue of single payer is something that we can uh, we can expand on that. I think that's a whole program, right, Jeff? What do you oh, think? Yeah. And in fact, uh, one of the guests I want to make sure I know that Ben Max had him on as well uh, recently, but we want to have Dick Gottfried back on to be able to talk about the history of this and also what, you know, what the next chapter would be, because, of course, he's he's leaving the uh, state assembly later this year. I think we're going to go to our next caller, but just want to remind you, we have some, we have a good cushion of time today. 212-209-29, excuse me, 2877, 212-209-2877 is the number to call. If you are holding, please continue to hold. We're going to go to our next call right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you calling from? Hello? Can you hear me? That's you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm Hammer. I'm from Queens. What's and on your mind today? Yeah, I wanted to um, make a couple of things, you know, clear because I think in, in this country is a lot of confusion of what kind of country we have. Um, the thing being is like a lot of people, Article 4, Section 4, um, most people don't know what Article 4, Section 4 is. It's a, it's a guarantee to a Republican republic form of government that's in the Constitution. And the thing being is, if we, uh, what the people, the, the people that vote the, con I mean, that signed the Constitution back, back those, one of the things is not to have a direct democracy was very important. So that 60, uh, let's say we have a poll of 60-40 or 51-49, uh, um, they can't rule over the people that um, um, that disagree with the people that's like abortion. Totally disagree with with the people about abortion. I don't. Uh, a lot of people don't agree with um, the um, um, the abortion switching back was wrong. Okay, you have to base it. And Clarence Thomas and all of them were saying, okay, we didn't base it on law. Okay, then you can to impeach somebody. If you just okay. that on then that would be a big problem. But I think it's a dangerous thing to say, I'm going to impeach somebody, okay, and you're not impeaching somebody by law, especially somebody running for office. They should know how the government is ran. The government is not ran by, because we have popular vote. Have them to do that, it would be very dangerous. We have a republic. And if this republic goes, we have a big problem. And the thing certainly, is, certainly agree with you there. And we want to thank you for your call. We we do have some people holding, so I'm trying to be be good to everybody and be fair and and let people talk, but also let people call in two one two two zero nine. 2877-212-209-2877 is the number to call. Celeste and Jeff here. This is Driving Forces on WBAI. And Jeff, if you want to do it, the honors. Yeah, I'm going to introduce the next call. But one thing I want to throw out there, food for thought for anyone who's listening that might want to weigh in on this. There was a new poll that came out from Pew Research Center, uh, basically showing that the public has lost much of our trust in public health experts and government leaders amid the pandemic. And yet, we are less worried than before about COVID-19. I'm really curious about what our listeners have to say about this. And if we get time, I'll be able to cite some of those statistics. But for now, let's get to the next caller who uh, had called in. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What's your name and where are you from? Thanks. It's Pinhead in Westchester. Hi. What's on your mind today? Well, I think it's... Assemblyman New represents a problem in the Democratic Party that you you touched on when you said the uh, AOCs and the the uh, progressive element did faltered. It's the question that the self righteousness of the ultra progressive people prevents them from reaching a consensus. And I just wondered why you didn't you know point that out because when the twelve percent vote in the primary, those are the most committed Democrats. And if the ultra progressive forces in the Democratic Party can't muster. I think that's a problem. She was going uh, to support. I think we are. I think we are losing the. Hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. I guess we we lost that call. Uh, I'm sorry. We don't have to go to our next call. Uh, again, the number 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Jeff, you you had some thoughts on. Oh, yeah. I wanted to, you know, I know we're waiting for a few more calls, I believe, that are coming in. Uh, Reggie will let oh, us oh. know when they're on. Okay. Oh, sorry. But I do want to go back to that statistic because I found it very yeah. interesting that uh, and also among uh, different party lines where things fell. Uh, let me just uh, find this figure. Here we go. Confidence ratings for public health officials like those at the CDC, for state and local elected officials and for President Biden dropped in a range from 43% to 54%, which is much lower than uh, than in the early stages of the pandemic. And more than half, more than 52% of respondents said that public health officials had done a good or excellent job. But 
while 72% of Democrats who were surveyed said they felt that way, only 29% of Republicans did. And Democrats were more likely than Republicans to say they had at least some confidence in how prepared the nation's health care system was to address a future global health emergency. One other point. Eight out of 10 respondents in the survey, Celeste, said that those institutions were continuing to manage the pandemic well, which is still a decline from 88% two years ago, Celeste. Wow, that's that that's interesting, and that and that's new information, Jeff. That just came out today. Just, or? just today, I try to I try to do my best to keep up on the news. Uh, you, do, you do a very good. Job. I'm not I'm not being a critic. No. Of, I don't know. But everybody, call in and tell Jeff what a good job he does keeping <laughs> abreast of the news. Two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. I think we're gonna go back to the phones right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Kaylee. I'm calling from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Welcome. What's on your mind? Hi. Yeah, I was just calling. I think it's so wonderful that you all had uh, Assemblymember New on today. I'm a current constituent of hers in Assembly 8065, and I'm really, really excited that she's running for Congress. I think we have a really incredible opportunity here to elect a progressive leader with meaningful experience and, and deep ties in our community fighting for things like Medicare for all, a Green New Deal, abortion rights, gun control. Um, she's so visible in our community. She's so accessible and really, really personable. Um, I've also seen her just roll up her sleeves and do the hard work in these really dark times during the pandemic. She turned her personal apartment into a COVID command center. She was packaging meals for the community, making hand sanitizer. Um, she went on a 15-day hunger strike in solidarity with taxi workers. Just really, really excited for the chance to have her be my congressional representation as well. Let me jump in. Let me jump in with a question for you, not specific about the candidate, but in general. When you're talking with neighbors, when you're talking with constituents, what are the, what what are the one or two issues that are driving people right now that are motivating people? Because I mean, remember, this is happening in the last two weeks of August. I'm wondering what turnout is going to be like. But for people who are really driven about specific issues, I think they're going to make an effort to vote. What 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 are your neighbors and friends telling you about the issues that are driving them right now? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say probably three to four weeks ago, I heard a lot about um, affordable housing and health care. And we still hear that a lot. But I think the, the acute response to the last few weeks in this country, I'm hearing a lot more about abortion rights and gun safety as well. So um, seeing that we have you lean with, with really strong um, background and, and legislative experience in those areas specifically is, is really exciting. I mean, I personally, my rent went up over 50% um, from last year when I had to refund my lease this year. So 50, definitely hearing a lot 50, of that. Five, five zero. I don't mean to jump five in, but zero, five zero. Five zero. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so I guess I, I'm assuming that means you are not in a stabilized uh, apartment. And how did you how did you cope with that? What did you what did you do? Um, I didn't really have a lot of options there. You know, there's just a, a lot of it feels like uh, collaboration amongst um, developers and really almost everything in my neighborhood was pretty comparable. Everything just shot up. And I think people are trying to, to make up for lost revenue over the pandemic, but, you know, we need homes and we, we need places to live where we can have mm -hmm. stability and safety and families can keep their children in consistent schooling environments. And, and it's one of the reasons that I'm really excited to support you being she has a very strong background on affordable housing and tenant rights. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening to the show today. We appreciate it. And I'm sure the uh, candidate appreciates your comments as well. That's about all the time we have for our calls today, because we do want to spend about a minute or two just reminding you, you know, we we're just talking about rent. So, of course, my mind goes to our tower fund because that is about rent, too, because we have to pay $17,000 a month, if you could believe it. I mean, her rent just went up 50%, but possibly it's not $17,000. $17,000 a month for us to be able to rent space on the top of four times square to be able to transmit our signal to you. And we are several months behind on this. That's why Reggie pitches all the hosts on WBAI are pitching this because we want to be able to stay on the air. And that is where you can help out. And I'm going to follow Celeste's lead. And I'm not going to give you 
Actually, I can do this now because we're not taking more listener calls. Now you can. Here's here's the number you can call to be able to $25, $100. Whatever you can give will help us get close to be able to pay off our rent. 212-209-2950. Again, that's 212-209-2950. Or head to give2wbai.org. Very important. Anything you could do to help would be appreciated. I do want to mention, though, because as Celeste is going to, I'm so happy she's back. She's going to close out the show in a few moments. But <laughs> later tonight, I want you to stay with WBAI. After this show, you've got the news with Paul DiRienzo. So you definitely want to hear that. Whatever you might have missed in the last hour is going to come up in the next half hour. But later tonight, you can get a dose of arts and culture with backstage stories at 9 o'clock. Special guest is Jackie Alexander, producing artistic director of the North Carolina Black Repertory Company, the institution that's producing the National Black Theater Festival this August. So Host Marsha Pendleton will talk about the festival's legendary origins and so much more. And I want to give a shout out to our colleague, our good friend, James Ursa. You love to hear him on Sunday mornings before City Watch, but now you've got double the eight chance, double the, double the opportunity to hear him each week because now he hosts what's going on on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. So when you get up in the morning, turn on WBAI, you'll be able to hear Jim Ursa tomorrow morning, Celeste. Very exciting. So from what I understand, no City Watch this Sunday. We will be back here, though, on Driving Forces next Thursday, 5 p.m. And thanks to Jeff. And I want to make sure to say that because he has really done a great <laughs> job of holding down the fort on this program. He has. Well, I've been uh, pulled away by uh, some other pressing matters. Jeff has really sort of saved the day over and over again. So thanks to Jeff. We will have a wonderful program already pretty much booked up for next week, we can say officially that we're going to have New York City Council member Carlina Rivera, who is another candidate in that very, very crowded, very exciting District 10 congressional contest. We're also going to be talking about the new Districting Commission, which is the the group that draws the new uh, council maps. And the chair of that commission is going to be our guest, Dennis Walcott. You may remember him uh, as a deputy mayor from lots of other places here in the city. So this is going to be a really good program. Program. We will have another guest, possibly. You're going to have to check WBAI.org to see who is that going to be. Definitely uh, keep your fingers crossed that this all works out for us because it's going to be a very, very good show. Just want to remind you, as always, that we upload every edition of this program to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Just subscribe to never miss a program. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. We'd like to thank, of course, our guest today, a Assembly member Yuli New. Like to thank our callers, especially like to thank our engineer Reggie Johnson and the most thanks of all, all week, every week, Jeff Simmons, my great co-host. Thanks for listening. This is WBAI New York. This has been Driving Forces. See you on the radio.